Welcome to the Wretched Hive Podcast. I got a bad feeling about this. Moss Eisley Spaceport. What are you talking about? You will never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. This is ridiculous. We must be cautious. Actually, we're just a bunch of guys talking about Star Wars and other stuff. I'm looking forward to having some real talk with some real folks. That's good news. I like the sound of that. Tonight's show could very well be a mistake. I I don't know how this is going to go, but it doesn't matter because we've made mistakes before and we just keep going because we are the Wretched Hive Podcast and you have found us for tonight's episode, today's episode, whenever you're listening, today, tomorrow, (laughs) During the day at Stop noon. Stop stealing my shtick, at buddy. At midnight. It is Friday, October 28th, 2022. My name is Steve Baldwin, and we are so pleased to be with you today, tonight, this afternoon, whatever, tomorrow, I don't know, when it, whenever it is that you're listening. Welcome in. I apologize for Steve right now. He's hopped on and about hopped up in about 15 different cold medications. I am on um, some... Uh, some uh, yeah, on some NyQuil yeah. and some really good Pinot Noir. So yeah, his his eyes uh, are glazed over, and it's not from it's not from pot, unlike Scott. He's on NyQuil and DayQuil at the same time. So. <laughs> They're fighting it out. I am high on life because my good buddy Scott is back tonight, and I, it's been a long time since Scott has been on the show. So I'm that's why I'm I'm just high on life. We get to catch up with the lifelong Star Wars fan so excited anywho welcome to the show everybody Um, hold on yes i think i what hey what Hmm. oh what i think i hear i think i hear something back there oh say it's very quiet (laughs) don't know what that was but um (laughs) was that scott painting his house I, I think I think it's Karen calling for Scott. I think, I think it's what it falling off the ladder. Anyway, uh, this here is a, a, a it's a podcast that we do every couple of weeks, and we talk about Star Wars and other stuff. And we are going to do just that tonight. And joining me on the show tonight are three guys. Steve, like, let me that get through the intro before Greg plays another clip. Three of my best buddies, uh, Greg, Scott. And Dave, I'm sorry. Dave. Welcome to the show, I'm gentlemen. I can't do that. Welcome into the we're, Wretched Hive, guys. We're so glad to be here. And in the pre-show, Steve was like, you know, I'm a little under the weather, so just for the love yeah. of God, let me get through the intro before you mm-hmm. take this thing completely off the rails. And Greg was like, sure thing, boss. Got it. <laughs> yeah. Stone cold liar, Greg Lent, right there. <laughs> love it. Love it. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. That's okay. You know what? We just roll with things here, and um, that's it's what we do because we are podcast professionals, and it is just what we do every two weeks. We come uh, out with a, speak like for a yourself. House. This is like a fight at the Roadhouse movie, man. We're just all hell's breaking loose. Mm, I it love is. It. it is. That's that's right. Hey, Show we've got Sandefloor. A ton <laughs> of. <laughs> Of news to cover tonight, we're going to be talking some Andor. We've got episode seven and eight of Andor to discuss. We've got a new Star Wars show out that just uh, came out two days ago on Wednesday, as we as we as we are listening to the show, Tales of the Jedi. 
We've got news about DC. Some guy named James Gunn who they hire. What's what's who's that? What's the big deal about James Gunn? I don't. <laughs> We we have a Guardians trailer. Why does Karen keep interrupting the show? Why did why know. can't she she's... wait until we're done with the show? Why does she keep yeah, acting? That's an interesting accent lately. Can't yeah, just do that. We've got a show called Werewolf by Night, that's hitting the I don't know Marvel fandom by storm. Yes. And then we're going to talk about the Ant Man trailer. We're just packed with news from beginning to end tonight, guys. How are we going to get through this in fifty nine minutes? No we idea. Can do it. We're going to we're talk not. about it's, gonna it. t- it's really going to take us about an hour and 20. Yeah. We're going to talk like it's mini micro machine time. So let's get going. <laughs> All right. Well, it's 48 minutes of intros and BS and then we'll talk about the news for 12. Uh let's let's flip that on its head. Let's just get right into the news, guys. Here we go. From ABC News World Headquarters. This is ABC World News tonight. <laughs> No, it's not. It's Star Wars news with the Wretched Hive. So be it. Hey, here's some news for you. If you feel like telling us anything, give us a call on the Wretched Hive hotline, 562-455-4483. Reach out to us at wretchedhivepodcast.net or on Twitter at wretchhivepod. There you go. There's your plug for our social. All right. And or episode seven and eight. Guys, this show is getting better and better each week. I have expressed my love for this show in the past. It started out slow. It's now one of the better shows on television that I'm watching currently. What say you, Greg Lent? You're agreeing with me uh, by virtue of nodding of head. What say you about the last couple of episodes of Andor? You know... Uh, this show is unfortunately catching a lot of flack on the net, as they say. Um, I'm reading on a lot of sites, the various news, nerd news sites that I go to, that this show is not pulling in the numbers that the Disney brass apparently want to see. And that is really, really unfortunate because we are eight episodes into the show now is what it is. And Steve, it is really, really compelling TV. Granted, I give you that it is slow. It is not the fastest paced show. But, and this is for Scott, because I think Scott, as we discussed earlier in the uh, pre-show banter, that he's only three episodes into Andor right now, and he just says if he that. can't get into it. It's not if, if it's even not that, moving. Yeah, maybe three. Maybe three. Yes. <laughs> And, and Scott, I have this question for you. Yeah. Are you a fan of old-time war adventure movies? The Great Escape, The Guns of Navarone, Kelly's Heroes, The Dirty Dozen. Are you a fan in any way of those types of movies? Absolutely. All top-notch movies. Then give... There are specific genre. There are a very specific genre. I will give you that. But this show is such a throwback to that feel and that style of storytelling where you have to build up the, the adventure, you have to build up the team, and they've all got a common goal that they're shooting towards. And it happens several times over the course of this eight episodes so far. There hasn't just been one like 
climactic part of it. There have been several mini climaxes, and it's been fantastic. It takes a while to get going, and you really have to pay attention to the show. This is the one thing that they have not done, even with Mandalorian, which, to be fair, I think is a better show than Andor, but they haven't done it with Mandalorian. They haven't done it with Book of Boba Fett. They haven't done it with any of the, the Clone Wars shows. They've taken time to have you get to know the characters individually and everybody has a role and it's very specific and it's very necessary and it's really fantastic if you just give it the time and attention it needs sure can i can i build on what you're saying there greg really quick just in terms of the Mm -hmm. how you Mm -hmm. contrast between mandalorian and ander and i think i might have said this before Mm -hmm. but there's a through line on Andor. The the ep- the episodic writing is not a traditional TV episodic writing structure. Mandalorian is a, probably a good example of that in that there is a beginning, middle, and end to each episode. There's a specific plot that gets resolved by the end of the episode. Even if it's part of a larger arc, there is some conflict or something that has to be overcome by the end of the episode that, that does. And then the adventure keeps going forward, right? It's a comic book, what happens next story. That is not at all the structure mm-hmm. or setup for Andor. Andor's episodes yeah. are like a chapter of a book. Okay. So you Yeah. Yeah, you you open up and you read chapter 8 tonight and you get to the end of chapter 8 and honestly, I don't know that there was a conflict that was resolved here. I think they just kind of moved characters forward. This is where they were at the beginning and we got mm-hmm. information and here's where they were at the end and now we'll move on to to 9. The overall arc of this mm-hmm. is going to be when we're done with all 24 episodes at the end of year two of Andor. That's when we'll get that complete mm-hmm. story and we'll see the whole thing. That's probably why the viewership numbers are lower, in my opinion, because it's not as easily accessible as a as an entry point for people to just pop in or, or binge or whatever, because there's, there's not a complete thing there for you. I hope that's not how they ultimately judge the success or failure of this project, though. I mean, I know that money has to be the big factor in that. Because at the end of the day, Disney has invested X number of dollars and they need to see the correct return on that. But in terms of how it is succeeding creatively, this thing is unlike what you will see on television anywhere else. And that's what does make it compelling. And I actually found this particular episode, this chapter, if you will, damned compelling. The 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 prison mm-hmm. that Andrew is in, mm-hmm. that's wicked smart. Sci-fi Mm-hmm. writing and execution mm-hmm. there i i promise you there are republicans out there right well they're not republicans are not going to be watching this because it's disney and it's too woke <laughs> but they are like why don't we make prisons like that that is so goddamn effective mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. right so right. i think what you guys are referring to is the nielsen ratings for the first three episodes were the lowest of any of the star wars shows to date uh, so Mandalorian was higher, Boba Fett was higher. Mo- uh, let's see, I'm looking at a giant freaking robot for this report. The three so, episode premiere of Andor didn't get as many viewers as the, other Star the Wars news shows week on Disney of Plus. the internet. Giant freaking robot is, huh. of course, where we're going for this information. Well, I, I, <laughs> I, I can link to Business Insider, but this was well reported all over the internet. But, but I know, yeah. I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, can I chime in on this? I want to. I want to yeah. talk about this because being Absolutely. only, I'm going to call it three episodes in, even if it's two and three quarters or whatever. But um, 
before you go on, Scott, let me tell you, I fell asleep. <laughs> really quick. No, but where you are, I Steve fell asleep. going to jump in here for just a minute. <laughs> I fell asleep during episode three. I'm not going to lie. You know okay. me. I mean, I, I wake up early. I, this is a fucking Star Wars show. And yeah. I fell asleep. So yeah. I, I feel you. It, it you know, and we called it a slow. You weren't on the show when we episode, when we recorded the first um, the review of the yeah. first three episodes. But I we we were saying how what a slow burn it is. Oh, so I the, totally understand where you're coming from. So I just wanted to throw that mm-hmm. out there. Like it, I get it. I get where you're coming from. If, so sorry. Go if ahead. I judge this. If I judge this by just the first episode alone, I would have checked out. Like yeah. it's nice as a star Wars fan to get the characters I saw from rogue one starting mm. this whole thing. And it, and I know I, I set myself up for this because I, at some point when we were talking about the anticipation for this show was super jazzed for the show. This is by no means a criticism of the show. I know it's a slow burn. I'm getting there. You guys know that I've been pretty busy this month. So my thing is, is when I have the time to sit down and really to, like digest this thing, I think I'm going to enjoy it more. And Greg, I'm happy you you brought up the the the, the comparison to those old style war films. That mm-hmm. makes me feel better about it because there was something at I think in episode three that kind of happens. Uh, uh, what's his name? That oh god, I'm going to forget his name. Stellar you know, skateboard. What's that? Stellar skateboard. Yeah, Scarsgard. Yes, yes. <laughs> Professor <laughs> Rambo. And there's this really cool moment where they're in some sort of like rundown refinery warehouse type thing and some badass mm. shit happens. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. really started to feel like, okay, it's not just because there's action, but there's action tied into some of this plot development and I'm feeling better about it. But I just couldn't move forward at that point. Just other things yeah. were happening. So I'm excited to catch up to you guys and also excited to listen to what you think about it right now. So I'm, I'm not part of the group that thinks I'm giving up on star Wars or star Wars TV. <laughs> and by all means, Steve, you reading those, those numbers off to me, it's shocking after I get Boba Fett's in anticipation, but my God, that was one of the worst television shows of all time for me. Like there were moments where I'm like, what, how can you take a character like that and fuck it up royally? And to have numbers that are beating Andor, which is a, you know, again, like you guys said, a slow burn, but character development, good old fashioned television. It's just, it's shocking to me. If that's the mentality of viewership today, God damn, I'm going to go back to my old X files and my old (laughs) Dallas reruns and Buffy, the vampire slayer, whatever the hell else is out there. You know, just, I like good storytelling. And so I'm, I'm, Excited to get into the show. I am. Well, it's yeah. almost like there's it, two camps because for so long, so so many fans were like, uh, you know, criti- or so many people that were critical of Star Wars were like, oh, there's no character development. It's all, yeah. you know, shoot em up and Western in space, blah, blah, blah. Well, here you go. Here's your character development. And by the way, the action is pretty great. One, yeah. it could, because yeah. the buildup is so long, once it hits, it's powerful. You know, it's yeah. like, it's kind of like uh, the analogy to me is like, why Carson was so funny. All he needed to do, he was so cool and so mellow all the time. He just lifts an eyebrow and it's hilarious, you know, because there's that buildup and that's what this show does. It takes four or five episodes to get there, but the payoff in episode five, six, seven, eight now has been tremendous. 
Sorry, there God. there are stakes in the show. You know, that's the yes. thing that's been missing is there are stakes for all the characters and for all the actions that happen. Um, and yeah, it's something we haven't seen. And it's it's a shame that it 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 doesn't get the it's not getting the looks or the eyeballs, the ratings that that they that they're were hoping for. Um, but again, like I was saying earlier with Scott, it's it. It's not the show you can put on in the back. I think that's what I was guilty of most with Boba Fett. Not that it deserved my attention, because you're right, Scott. It was one of the worst shows that have been out there in quite some time. Yeah. But you know, you could put it on in the background and and come up with a semi decent review of the show at the end of it. This is the show is not like that. I have to no. put everything down when I watch it, and I'm, I'm excited to as well. You know, I'm 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 happy that I have a reason to not look at my phone during a show. No, and and. I think that's because it's that part of it is because it's such a, an unfamiliar format for us, right? Like we, we have seen those standard, what happens next adventure format TV shows. I don't know how many zillions of times at this point in our lives, we, we don't need to watch it to know what's going on. We can watch our yeah. phones or do 15 other things and still have a halfway decent review at the end, just because we know the formula. This one, we don't, it does require our attention to understand what's going on. And Scott, mm -hmm. I know for me, I didn't fall asleep during the third episode, Mr. Baldwin. No. <laughs> I, I, But I will say that when it got to episode four, which is when the Mon Mothma plot really gets introduced and starts to become a thing, that kind of gave me something to hang my hat on Yeah, in there because I'm super interested in that. I actually think that's the strongest part of the series overall at this point. Mm -hmm. This is, so and once, this is But once I had that reel in, yeah. Now I it became easier for me to be to be interested and follow all the other things that are going on. It, it almost makes me think that Genevieve O'Reilly isn't a big star because she's choosing not to be a big star. She's so good in this show, and she's yeah. she's seductive and you know alluring and sexy and all of that, and yet she's just she's killing it every episode. I, I mean every scene she's in, she just. Uh, she's fantastic. I, I just I love that character and all the intrigue and the, the the goings on in the Senate that she's trying to maneuver. I agree, Dave. It's I think that's the most intriguing part of this, which is kind of interesting. We were all you know, some of us were critical about, you know, how episode one, the Phantom Menace starts out with, you know, there's a, a, a blockade of, you know, happening. It's a very political. <laughs> right. The Trade Federation. So it, it's all political. But that's that's the 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 basis for this this war that takes place and um boy she's at the center of it and i love well, it i just love it so you much you know the the mistake is that it's it's a kids movie and the first in the opening crawl you're talking about the 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 blockade of of, of trade routes is whatever what kid cares about that that's a good point but this is this is literally like good versus evil this is the the allies versus the nazis is what it is and i think that kind of mm -hmm. it, it's easier to designate than just it, there's somebody blocking a trade route. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and from my point of view, since that hasn't happened and I knew she was going to be on the show, I was kind of anticipating that just to see how that would play out and, and find a different director or writer's approach to the whole concept of politics involved in star Wars. Cause yeah, like we've discussed over how many times over the whole, episode one or the prequel trilogy, how politics wasn't handled properly in that. And 
how it looks to a kid's movie versus a show like something like this based off of Rogue One, which is a very serious, gritty show. I mean, we've talked about that in the past. Everybody on that in that movie dies. It's yeah. not a happy ending movie, although we know where it's going. So it can pull <laughs> that off just fine. So here's that moment where I'm anticipating to see what the actual structure is in this kind of rev beginnings of a revolution. So can, I'm, can, I'm, I'm with you guys. I'm just not there yet. Can we get into a little bit of some of the plot points for episode seven and eight? Just, I, I don't want to, I'm, you're I'm fine, afraid I'm going to spoil something for you, Scott, but so if you want to step away, just, I, I need to, I feel the need to talk a little bit about some stuff that's gone on in seven and eight. Uh, All right, I can I can mute it if you want. Well, it's up but to you. It's up to, well, it's up to you. It's up to you. Um, you know what? I'm fine. I'm totally cool with it. All right. Cool. Okay. So there's a high stakes. Anything it'll inspire you to get to this far in the show. Maybe that's what it'll do. I already am. I already <laughs> am. guys fucking rock. Okay, that's yeah. it. Okay. So, so four, so four, five, and six are are like their own arc, right? Like that. That's sure. the heist yeah. sequence and all this. Prep for the heist. Yeah. The heist, and then the post heist. We'll call it right. Four, five, and yeah. six. Episode seven is really the almost like the empire strikes back kind of it's it's like the empire's response they've been hit they've been hit hard and now we see the 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 beginnings of the you know the tighter you you grip the more mm -hmm. the more star systems will slip through your fingers comment you know in episode 4 and we start to see um that tightening begin to happen and I, I just think that's so cool that we get to see that in in real time when they when the empire begins to make the decisions we're gonna we're gonna you know triple all of the jail sentences we're gonna review everybody's terms um, what's his name Andor's goes from six months to six years right right there yeah. in front of the judge I I love that sequence yeah it, it, and it's also something I'm admiring about this is is that it's a, an origin story for the character right. But origin stories, as we think of them, right, in the, the traditional superhero classic idea, like it's a single issue and it's their origin story. Right. There's all this stuff that leads up to the, the origin story, if you will, right? Like Iron Man doesn't just flip a switch and Tony Stark becomes Iron Man in the space of a two-hour movie. Mm -hmm. There are all these events that happen in his life that set him up so that he could flip the switch to become Iron Man in the course of that two-hour movie. Ander is doing this great job of, all the stuff, all the sequence of events over a life that, that put him in a position to be that character and be that origin story. It's not one thing. It's this whole sequence of things that is building on each other. And they're doing a very impressive job of having this natural flow of what you just talked about. He goes on the heist and conducts the heist. The heist triggers a response from the Empire for pr increased prison sentences. And then he gets arrested on a bullshit charge and becomes a victim of the increased prison sentence that he himself brought about. And he's not even aware of it as a character, right? Everybody else around him is, but they established that very clearly in episode eight. He has no idea what's going on. He didn't yeah. know that that happened as a direct result of the heist that he was a part of. Right. Yeah. And, exactly. and I, and I love that, yeah. that he's literally, a prisoner of a world that he created and he doesn't understand that he's a prisoner of the world that he created. Is it episode six or seven where he goes back after the heist to get his adopted that's mother? That's in seven. That's okay. In that's seven. seven. That's and seven. he says, okay, she Hey, I got, I got around, lucky. Yeah. I can go. 
and and she says, no, I'm going to stay here. And she's been inspired by this heist that she has no idea was him and she won't go with him, although it was it was his doing. But he's trying to save her, but now she won't go because of something that he did that inspired her to stay. It's it's great writing, and Tony. That's all Tony Gilroy. Yeah, it, when, when you talk about the de- developing of this character, you know, there's there's no. So we know he becomes a major part of the rebellion, yeah. but everything he's doing eight episodes into the show so far is just I I'm a thief, I'm a smuggler, I'm a whatever I am but I have no interest in fighting for your cause. He goes out and he meets all these guys who are very, you know, very much there for the cause of it all. And he's like, no, fuck that. And he, and the one guy who's most like him after the heist, who wants to take all that money and get the fuck out of there. He's like, no, I still have my honor left. So I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm, so I'm going to blow you away. And then, and then, but I'm just, I'm not going to, you know, play it dirty. I'm going to let them have all their stuff that we that we talked about, and I'm going to get out of here. He's not the guy who's who's. There's still something that has to inspire him to the cause, and I I I'm glad that it's not just he's not running in. You know, my name is Diego Matoya. You killed my father. Prepare <laughs> to die. You know, he's there's there. We still haven't seen what's driving him to join the rebellion, and I love that it's mm. it's allowing it's giving it time to breathe and we're and we're seeing exactly what is going to motivate this guy and what's going to make him tick and what's going to make him become a a soldier for the rebellion a committed soldier for the rebellion right like as opposed to a a conscript or someone who just falls into it by the time we meet him in rogue one he's Mm -hmm. a committed he's committed to the cause oh yeah Yes. Right. Like he's he's not even Jin Ersto at this point. He's not even someone who will kind of go along with it because there's some some greater good reasons to. He's not even at that stage of his evolution yet. Right. Um. Okay. So the other part of episode seven that I wanted to to talk about that I really love is the infighting in the Imperial Security Bureau, the ISB. Um. And the sort of politicking that's happening there. And I think it's um that's it's, and that is also brilliant. It's stuff. so good. I love the insider's view of the Empire and the security forces there. And is it Miro? I think the character's name is Miro, the female ISB officer that's trying to put the pieces of this puzzle together. She's kind of seeing these elements of these um rebellion fractions stealing stuff all over the galaxy and she's she can't quite put it together and she's trying to um i i think that's so cool the way that they're showing her trying to assemble the puzzle pieces together in part seven it it, it, it she's a very sympathetic character as well yeah. yeah she's a very sympathetic character excuse me a very relatable character mm-hmm. just because she's a bad guy but she's relatable because she's fighting a battle against the bureaucracy, right. which is what so many of us do in our, our daily work lives. Right. We see a bigger we see a bigger picture to do our job and we have to kind of battle against an internal bureaucracy to successfully accomplish said bigger goal. That's all this poor woman is trying to do at the end of the day. She just it's it's for an evil cause and she's a bad person, but she's very relatable because she's having to do things and put up with the same BS the rest of us do in our daily lives. It's great. I love it. 
I'm a big fan of her. Yep. I kind of want to see her succeed, even though it means bad things for, you know, for yeah. good people. Yeah. And by the way, we get a fucking Emperor Palpatine name check in this episode. Jeeves <laughs> uh, Palps. I spoke with Emperor Palpatine this morning. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> Look out. Name <laughs> dropping out of the sky. Look out, everybody. And that's, cover. Ma- and that's major. That's someone. Um, God, Dodonna or... Um, this is, there's always one person, right? That at the office. There's always somebody like that at the office who's like, "Well, I spoke to the CEO this morning." It's like, "Okay, Bob, nobody fucking cares." <laughs> yeah, well, I stood up straight when he was like, "I spoke with Emperor Palpatine today," and I'm like, "Whoa, that's pretty big." Um, all right, so oh yeah, we get some palps. Um, all right, episode eight, really quick. Were you guys? Did you guys know Andy Circus is in the show? I had no idea he was going to be. He was announced as a member of the cast. I had no, I, I and I was no pleasantly idea. surprised to see him. It I always so love cool. to see Andy Circus. He's always great. He's always great. Yeah, and he's barefoot. Yes, lots of people are barefoot. <laughs> be careful, but be careful in that jail. Fucking barefoot. And then you we, know, when I saw the guys with the boots, I was like, "What are the boots?" And he's like, "I suppose you realize you don't have weapons." Now it's like, "Oh fuck!" Yeah, those guys I are think fucked. I know what's coming. <laughs> They're fucked. And uh, then when Andor, and then when Cassian uh, fell and put his hand on the floor too, I was like, "Oh." Poor Andor. <laughs> and boy, and the uh, the plot of episode eight is there's just so much in that episode. So just yeah. to, to hit on a couple of high points for me. Um, so we get we get an update on Bix. I like Bix, Andor's ex girlfriend. I I think she, I mm-hmm. like her character. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Of course, Saw Gerrera at the end. We get fucking Saw Gerrera live on camera. With both and younger legs? and not quite, not quite crazy, not quite, not totally crazy. Not quite crazy, saw yet, but on his way. Forrest Whitaker. That was pretty badass with, um, with Professor Rambo and Forrest Whitaker, going at it at the end with each other. <laughs> with Stellan skateboard. Yes, that's some acting <laughs> chops there in Star Wars. I mean, that's that was pretty cool. Um, yes, I loved it. Loved it. Um, episode eight, I just thought the writing overall, Tony Gilroy, man, he, they they are doing some serious world building on this show. It kind of goes back yeah. to, um, the scene when they were showing the, like the, uh, the workers and they had the wall of gloves. We haven't really talked about this yet, but all the gloves that were on the wall, I think it was episode three or four. Mm-hmm. And I heard an interview with Tony Gilroy. And he was talking about that they had this whole story behind the wall of gloves and how, you know, there was this hierarchy of the gloves and, and, you know, you work your way up and eventually you get a pair of gloves and then you get to put them on the wall. And then how high they are on the wall depends on where you are in the hierarchy of the, of the team. And maybe your grandfather's gloves are behind on the wall, you know, and they had this whole story just about this five second shot. Um, yeah. And they're just, they're just doing a bang up job for the show. It's fantastic. So, um, and there was more with with Miro, and that's the 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 female ISB officer that you were talking about, and yes. and Cyril, who's the guy oh, yeah. who Cyril, um, yeah. comes in from the the other planet at the beginning. I forget the planet's name, but he's at first he's demoted because he's looking too far into it, and then Miro has kind of taken him in 
um, but only to get the information out of him. Uh, are we rooting for this guy? Is he well, a bad guy now? Because I I'm rooting for him. So, so, so Cyril, <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if that makes me a bad guy or what. Cyril's got this government job in like weights weights and measures or some some <laughs> you know some uh, you know government org like that, and he's been filing these reports trying to find Cassie and Andor. And they get her attention, right? So they bring her in. They bring she brings him in to interrogate him. Essentially, a friendly interrogation, yeah. as far as the Empire goes. And that that was like, oh, cool. They're they're starting again to put the pieces of the puzzle together. They don't quite see it yet, but as the as the rebellion is racing to assemble and organize, at the same time the Empire is kind of beginning to see it and track it. It's 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 really cool. I agree. That was a fun scene. She she World is building. just she, like yeah she has yes, yes. no time for him by the way oh, and yeah. it is glorious how she has no time for his nonsense yeah and she goes out of but, her way to keep making she, it clear but she knows that he's on to something though and that's the thing so she's dependent on him yes because she knows he's on to something but yeah she is making she is playing it cool you know she's she's not going to stand for his bullshit but. You know, and, but she wants him to keep going, but keep it quiet. So yeah, it's it, just, it, it, it it's an antagonistic, right? Because she wants him to feel lucky, not valued. Because the second he feels valued, he's yeah, going to try right. to flip the relationship and be the one in power. So she has to make sure that he feels lucky that he's getting this attention and help from her, not because he has any value to her or the empire or anybody else. You know, and, mm-hmm. and credit to the writing again with Cyril's character. He's like this weaselly little Nazi that wants to bury our hero, right? But but you you But he's right though. But like he's, in, like everything he's everything he's he's yes. suspicious of, he's correct on. Yes, <laughs> he's, he's right to be suspicious of his radar is spot, spot on. Spot on. <laughs> so he's like this corporate sort of like bleeding heart. He just wants to do the right thing even though it's the wrong thing. He, yes. He's trying to do right by what he thinks is right, and so you you. He's trying to be him. the best little imperial soldier he could possibly be. <laughs> he's he's again. He's also relatable. He is a relatable person. That moment where she's like, "Is there anything else missing from the report?" I don't know. I never saw it. You signed it. I wasn't given a choice. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. That. Yeah. And just, yeah. And then she storms exactly. out of him. She's like, "Get him the report." Yeah. But it's not like, "Oh, there's been a connection here." She's just like. Well, fuck it. If he hasn't seen the report, give him the report, and then I'll go beat the crap out of him. Right. <laughs> so he's 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 like annoyingly eager to help the empire, and it's compelling. It's 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 really fun, and I I can't wait to see what they do with it. It's like our I for a second I was like, are they gonna? Is she gonna enlist him somehow? How are they gonna like? How how is she gonna leverage this more? You know, because obviously he's on to something and she's on to something. When is she going to put these puzzle pieces together? I I just I think his reward is going to be a third monitor at the end of all of this. Because he's working (laughs) with two monitors at the workstation. I think he's going to get a third monitor. Maybe the third one will be in color because all Star Wars monitors are like green and black. Scott, when you get to this, I'm just throwing it out here. You will know you're at the part we're talking about when, because it's a guy who works in what looks for all the world like a time variance authority office from Marvel's Fantastic Four, the Walt Simonson run. Yeah. Well, so you, I, I know I'm, you know I'm that getting, reference. I'm just telling you, when you get to it, you'll recognize it and be like, oh, yeah, it does kind of look like that. 
I, I'm getting, I, I'm sure it's all done on purpose, but I'm getting really big um, THX 1138 vibes from yeah. all of oh, the prison and the place that he works oh, in as well. The prison. Um, aren't, aren't the prisoners yes. barefoot in, in THX? I think they are. I think they all are. In the white jumpsuits. That's a great yeah. call, Greg. Great call. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm. Um, very much inspired by the look of THX. So yeah. Are they all shaved heads? <laughs> no. They're not. They're not. But they have the white. It's it's an entirely white environment that they're imprisoned in. Um, they have white jumpsuits. They do have like yellow patches on their sleeve or something like that. But it's very it's very bright. Even their their bunk area just seems like very sterile and it's very THX um, like. That is, that all their is. all their food is is given to them from a tube. They eat all the food from the tube. So it, their reward is that the 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 tube the, <laughs> if, the if they do really well. Flavor. You might get some taste in that tube. Yeah, right. <laughs> but we don't say what the taste is. <laughs> or, or what is or what are the there's like three different levels, right? It's like the nutrients and then. Season nutrients and then flavorful nutrients or something like yeah. that. It's like, you know, three different levels. <laughs> All right. Well, um, needless to say, we are enjoying Ander. Yeah. Give it. I mean, if you haven't checked it out, give it a shot. Give it your time. Give it your attention. Uh, there are so many levels to this show. I don't understand how you could not enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Stick with it, Scott. You'll get there. Hey, hey, October 31st is only, what, five days away? So I'm clear mm -hmm. after that, I swear. Scott takes a lot of pictures of people in Halloween garb. And it's almost Halloween. So, yes, we're almost in, there. In, we're almost there. Literally in graveyards sometimes. So. I, I swear I can't stop the twitching in my eye right now. It's <laughs> a computer screen for 30 days oh straight. My God. So. And here you are in your off time looking at a computer screen. So. Yes. like... Steve, just let me come over. Just let me come over live in person. I, I, I told you come over, but it's at your own risk, man. I don't want you to get sick. It's all good. All right. So um, do we want to talk Tales of the Jedi tonight? I, I say skip it until we've all seen most all right. of the episodes. What I, what I will just say is, Greg, I think they get better. Okay. I have watched I, episode two and three, and I, I, I like them more than the first one. How many episodes yeah. are there? Eight? I think just six, six eight, six, six okay. eight. I, well, I watched the first one, and they're short. They're twenty minutes. Um, and, and it 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 was a thing that was on for twenty minutes. That's all I'll say about it. <laughs> wow, that's a glowing review. So, <laughs> I, I will say this has convinced me so far that Dooku has the best freaking lightsaber handle of any so, Jedi. Watching this thing, that yeah, is gorgeous. bad ass, and I want one. Yeah, well, if you get to Galaxy's Edge at Disneyland or Disney World, if you're on the East Coast, you can you can buy one, and it it's it is one of the better looking um, mm -hmm. uh, 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 handles that they make. So, yeah, I would if if you need something on your desk, it it fits very well. Is is it the same handle from all the other? I, it, it it's curved, right? It kind of looks like yes. a like an old school shaving blade, like a straight edge razor, yes. just kind of not quite folded straight out of the handle right yes. it just correct. looks cool yep okay correct okay yeah. so we'll save tales of the jedi for next episode okay. yeah sure. that sounds good that sounds good well let's talk some uh comic stuff guys we've got um 
Well, you want to do uh, DC or Marvel first? Because we got news about both. Uh, let's go to Marvel because I think the DC news is more exciting. All right. Well, we got and a couple. That's of... a phrase you don't hear often on this it podcast. Is, no it is. It is not right? absolutely it's legit. Probably the and first legit. time that's ever been said. Yeah. All right. Well, we got a couple of trailers that hit this this uh, last couple of weeks, guys. We got Gar- the Guardians trailer is out. Oh and man, then... we're really going to bookend this shit then, now, aren't we? We're going to start with James Gunn. We're going to end yeah. with James Gunn. Spoiler <laughs> alert. So I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I was wondering what a Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special was going to be about. And how it was going to keep up like a zany tone, and that trailer explained it, and does, in my opinion, does not disappoint. Yeah, absolutely. There's just enough spoiler in it, um, but uh, it also really brings you in. Can Can I say a couple things about this? Since we're all, we you can all... say whatever you want. It was all it was all in the trailer. We've all oh, we you're you're on mute there, Steve. Just so you know, you're on mute. Okay, he okay. knows. Yeah. So he's having a moment. He's dying over there. All right. So this is where it gets whole fucking meta on us because the big reveal in this is Kevin Bacon is now part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But in fairness, <clears throat> we knew Kevin Bacon was part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe because he was name checked yes, in the he, original he, Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. He, he's been referenced a few times already in Guardians of the Galaxy one and, and two, and I think an Avengers movie, right? Because didn't uh, they Thor talk about how the Avengers was the greatest assemblage of heroes ever? And Chris Pratt's like, "Is Kevin Bacon a part of it?" And then Thor's like, "I don't know. I haven't been a part of him for a while. It's possible." Yes, That's true. Yes, yes, that did happen. That's that did happen. But let's just throw it out there: if we are now a a, a company that owns the X Men Enterprise, and we now have the X Men. Professor Xavier from both the cartoons and all the other existence in different timelines. And this is the multiverse of madness that we're dealing with. Kevin Bacon already exists as an actor in (laughs) the Marvel Universe as an X-Men character. Holy shit, this is going to be so fucking mind-blowing. Well, so you're this saying is a Kevin whole Bacon new could level of play. six degrees of Kevin yes, Bacon? Yes, you beat me to it. You beat me to it, sir. All right, so for those of the, us that are uninitiated, sorry, I have to slow you guys down and back you oh. up a little bit. What it's character is Kevin Bacon playing? Kevin Bacon plays Sebastian Shaw, who is the Black King. What, 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 the Black King. what character Black King. has Kevin Bacon played previously? Or no. what character is Kevin Bacon playing in the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special? That's what I'm talking about right there. And okay. what Earth, what, is it 616? Okay, Scott, for just a second. <laughs> Too many questions, Scott! In the Guardians questions. of the Galaxy holiday special, Kevin Bacon is playing Kevin Bacon. The plot of this, of this thing, which is completely revealed okay. in the trailer, okay. is right. that the Guardians want to give Star-Lord a happy Christmas to cheer him up. And the only thing they can think of is going to Earth so that he can meet his hero, Kevin Bacon. Okay. I think that's throwing you off the scent of the real plot of this. Oh, Jesus Christ. I will not everything, Scott, not everything is an Easter egg. Oh. Not everything has a deeper meaning. Sometimes a cigar is just a cigar, my friend. Dude, I am I sat out through that whole fucking Andor thing so you guys could have your moment. Now I'm gonna jump in like I'm like I'm on. Fucking Coke, man. Let me just <laughs> here we go. I was just oh. saying you were on pot, man. I wasn't gonna go for Coke because that, that oh. might still be a schedule felony. Here's I know exactly. It's a, it's not, it's not. But but okay, so 
but pot is. That's how weird. That's that's what's weird. But pot is. No, no, the cocaine is fine, but it's the pot you got to watch out for. The president's not giving any pardons for that. Okay, so what am I seeing on his IMDb that says the Toxic Avenger? What the hell is that? No, just pretend. Just skip that. That has nothing to do with anything. What the? It, uh, all right. That's that's a total different. Thing. That's an extraneous, superfluous, unimportant thing. But okay, the but, fact but, that it says Avenger, I should not think that that's a Marvel thing. That's what the makers of the Toxic Avenger want you to think, oh, and what up. I, as your good friend, am telling you, don't fall into that trap. Right. Yeah, I am looking out for you right now. So, okay. so the plot, according to the trailer, is that they have to find something to cheer up. Um, yes. uh, a depressed Star Lord. Kevin, Kevin Bacon is the MacGuffin of this. This we've established already. Continue. Yes. Right. But if he is already in existence in the Marvel Universe as an actor who's playing a character or is the character that looks a lot like Kevin Bacon in the Marvel 616. This, this, this is, this is getting, dude, this multiverse thing is getting messed up in my head. That's Wait, you happened. can't, you can't just say that. Wait, still back up and be more granular with your explanation. Okay. They so go Kevin to find Bacon, Kevin Bacon. Okay. Kevin Bacon continue. Is playing Kevin Bacon right. in the new guardians holiday special edition or special what it what is it is special it's like it's a, a holiday special. holiday special holiday special like the werewolf um oh my god i'm god i've been stepped up i stepped away from this way too are long, you flaming guys. out what's happening right now <laughs> yeah, i'm crashing and burning scott's um, having a stroke like that woman on the news that one night <laughs> Don't go all Leslie. <laughs> don't go all. Don't go all Leslie Jordan on us. Right Recharge now, your batteries. <laughs> all right, let's back it up. So, if Kevin Bacon is going to be a plot point of this new special that they're yep. doing, right? Oh my God! Well, first of all, you have to ask yourself: Why is Star Lord depressed? I'll, Who I'll is Star better. Lord depressed? Why is Star? Lord... <laughs> <laughs> why are we? Okay. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Pick a name. <laughs> Back it up. I mean, it just blew my mind that Kevin Bacon played a character in the X-Men. Was it X-Men? Not First Contact. It's um, First Class. First, first Class. class. X-Men First um, Contact. So. <laughs> That's so Star Trek. Wait are a you, minute. Are you saying so that we're going Who's to on first? Since I've been on this show. I'm losing. I'm off okay. the rails. Right? We've said nothing for the last four minutes. Are they look? They're going to find Kevin Bacon. All right. Yes. So is it possible that while they're going to find Kevin Bacon, they're going to run into a character that is played by Kevin Bacon? Is that what you're I, saying? That's what he's saying. Yes. I think I could sum it up. Even I think I could sum it up quicker for Steve. The movie is Christmas Vacation. <laughs> Kevin Kevin Bacon is Brian Doyle Murray. Okay. Drax is cousin Eddie. Nice. I like that. The shitter's full. Yes, that's Drax. Mantis is the RV. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Just, she's the shitter? Not she's sure. the shitter. 
And for legal purposes, that was Greg Lent. Are you insane? Okay. Maybe she gets her shitter drained somehow in this movie, is what I'm saying. No idea. We've been off the rails before. The plot of this looks amazing. It looks like we're being thrown off in the trailer because that's what Marvel does. That's what I'm trying to get to. Okay. I think the plot is is that we're going to see the return of Gamora in this. I think is that Gamora... we're getting the Kevin Bacon because of all the references that have been made by Star-Lord throughout the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Also, but... Kevin Bacon is in the trailer and Gamora is not. True. Uh, okay. In one of the weirdest sequences <laughs> ever. <laughs> well, you have to assume that they are going back mm. to look for Gamora because that was one of the last things you saw at the end of or was it Infinity War Endgame? Endgame. Endgame. So, so Gamora from Guardians and Guardians Two is still dead, but the guard, the Gamora who showed up from in from Endgame, she wasn't in Infinity War. From Endgame, Correct. is still there. So, I don't know if they're going to retcon it to where. Gamora one, I'm going to call her Gamora one, actually lived, or if they're going to continue the story on with Gamora two, as the this universe's Gamora from. I I think Gamora Prime is dead (laughs) and will stay dead, and I think uh, alternate Gamora is going to be what we have going forward, and I'm pretty sure she's in the holiday special too because Zoe Saldana is on the cast credits for the holiday special, right? Even though she wasn't in the trailer. Kevin Bacon was not in the cast credits, but was in the trailer. Right. Being chased by Drax and Mantis because they state specifically, let's go to Earth to cheer Chris Pratt up. And then they visit Kevin Bacon's house because they're in Hollywood. There's a fantastic stretch of those two walking down Hollywood Boulevard and frankly, just blending in. (laughs) And I'm surprised Scott was not seen in that. It was not in that scene somehow. I'm surprised Scott was not in there. He spends so much time on Hollywood Boulevard. Um, that actually yeah it's a very drax and mantis thing to do for for star lord to be you know depressed and upset that gamora is not there for them to assume that they can solve that by finding him kevin bacon that's a very drax and and mantis move so i love that (laughs) because of his references all the time about the 80s and kevin bacon i think is fantastic yes yeah. Yes. And so well, this I, is so this is like a a, sh- a short or it's not a full feature film, right? No, I think it's, it'll it's probably like end up being hour. around an hour. I'm, oh, that's that's okay. my guess. Is it'll end up being around an hour? Theaters the, the, or television? Yeah. The reporting is that Disney Marvel Plus. Is, Disney Plus. Oh, okay. Disney Plus. Okay. Yeah. The reporting is that Marvel is actually very high on this special idea. Werewolf by Night is one of their best received Disney Plus products that they've done. And they're, they're really high on the Guardians thing, even though nobody's seen it. All the brass really loves it. So okay. they're they're looking for ways to do more of these for launches in the future. And I, yeah. I like that. It's, it's another kind of quiver in the arrow, if you will. You have a story that isn't quite enough to justify a full feature, and it's certainly not enough to justify a, a, a miniseries, if you will. But we can do a solid hour's worth of content on, like, The Silver Surfer as a prequel mm-hmm. to a Fantastic Four movie. Right. Let's, right. let's do it. Although, and, and this 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 special, the the Guardian special, is going to be streaming on Disney Plus at the end of November. So yeah. I mean, we're less than a month away. Yeah, and and they're using the same like special 
70s TV or 80s promo thing at the beginning that Disney used for werewolves. Yes. Uh, which yes. I love, by the way. I think it's fantastic. And and to argue that point, and I hate arguing that point, Dave, Werewolf by Night could have been a two-hour movie. It was just it, that it, good. It could have been. It could have, but did it need to be? I, I it, think so. If it's setting up some stuff. I think it worked great as yeah. what it was. Okay. I'm, I'm not trying to disagree with you that it could have been more. Totally that's fine. that's a sign that it worked great as what it was. Yeah. And that it left me wanting more. And I would rather have what? that than it's like, oh, I saw Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and I don't think I need to see any more of that in the future. Yeah. So the, there's your the, argument. Yeah. The, ge- the genius of all of it is we all had our, our thoughts and ideas of what it would be from from old school, like a grindhouse exploitation to scooby-doo and i don't think it i think it kind of skewed all of our expectations i don't think any i don't think it fit anywhere in any of those in those ranges of 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 things so it it did something oh go ahead sorry i I was gonna say i agree i think it did kind of touch on a lot of a lot of things but the one thing i'm glad it touched on that i wasn't anticipating and i was bummed scott wasn't on last week but the appearance the unnamed appearance of one of the great underutilized Marvel characters of all time, which is Man-Thing. Man-Thing. And Steve, I made this joke last week, and I need to explain it. There was actually a comic book in the 1970s called Giant-Sized Man-Thing, which is the most unfortunate <laughs> title for a comic book series in the history of comic book series. But you you know somebody writing that show had fun because of the character's real name was... Ted, which was the only way he was referenced throughout that episode, right? No, they never called him Man Thing. They were just all like, "Oh, look, it's Ted." I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> I thought that worked so well with the concept of what they were doing, and uh, and yes, I know the giant sized Man Thing would have been fun, <laughs> but I let it go. I had to let it go. <laughs> All right, so really quick. Uh, that's what everybody's done at some point, Scott. Uh, I isolate is, that sound. <laughs> I, I, I need, yeah, right. Oh, okay, 40, 55, 04. Um, okay, so th- this is where I need my clip, like explain it to Steve, um, sound clip. For, <laughs> uh, why do, Why should I care about about uh, werewolf? A giant-sized man werewolf thing? Werewolf by night. <laughs> <laughs> when, I, when I already have one, um, where, 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 where would I, why should I care about this? I mean, okay. So it, it's a, it's a comic book series. Is this, is this episode, this hour long, uh, werewolf by night? Is it, it, does it encompass one series? Is it a couple of issues? What's important it's, to it? Why should I watch it? I don't think it encompasses really any, any specific series. It, okay. it introduces some characters that are from a, a, a genre, if you will, that Marvel has published sporadically over the years of their horror genre stuff. Right. Uh, where And it, it brings some of the characters in. It has a lot of new characters that I don't recall ever being in the comics, or if they were, they're super tangential, like super, super obscure pulls. Mm. But, but the character Werewolf by Night has been a fairly well-established character. This is a guy that turns into a werewolf by night because that's what werewolves do. Hi, that's the title. Ooh, spoiler. Uh, you have uh, someone who hunts monsters. Uh, one of the it, the Bloodstone family is a, a prominent family in the Marvel Comics universe, and it's the, the daughter. 
Uh, you also meet the the uh, the monster that they're hunting in this uh, this particular episode, uh, the man thing. Never referred to as such. He's just referred to as the monster. Ted. And you kind of introduced oh. to this genre through the idea that there are monsters in the Marvel universe and there are monster hunters. And this is a conclave of monster hunters to determine who is going to be their new leader now that the 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 main member of the Bloodstone family has passed. Yes. So they're going to have a hunt gotcha. to determine a hunt of a monster and whoever bags the monster will become the leader of this culture of monster hunters throughout the Marvel universe that we have heretofore not seen. The werewolf by night character impersonates a monster hunter to get in to free his friend, the man thing who has been captured and is going to be used as the, the monster and trophy killed for all of us. Ah, right. Okay. So it's just, it, it, it's introducing us to a world and some concepts and honestly does it in a fun way. Let me tag on to Dave's uh, description here because this, yep. it, it is important in the sense that we are going to be getting characters, which we've already slightly been introduced to like blade. So mm. blade is very much involved in this whole concept of the monster side of the MCU. The, yeah, the horror side or the monster side, however you want to term it. Blade is very much a part of that right. that wheelhouse of the Marvel Universe. We've had talks in Loki, I think, talked about when we were talking about all the different timelines, that vampires exist. You know, we got the, the voice of, uh, what's his name, that's playing Blade at the end of, God, what, what freaking movie? Eternals. 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 Yeah, I forgot about that year. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's it's just another way of giving you like a little stepping off point into the next phase of where I think they're going to be bringing a lot more major characters, possibly Ghost Rider and a few other people mm. into this. So okay, should be it should be fascinating. But it was fun it, how they did it. They did it very authentic, and I loved it. Yeah, and Steve, I yeah, I, it's a, it it all feels like it's a jumping off point for like Midnight Suns, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, Steve, Midnight Suns was a, a banner that Marvel used to publish kind of this, this horror monster subgenre in the 90s. That was kind of a, a catchphrase that they used for it was the Midnight Suns imprint. Hmm. Yeah. And I, I try to explain this to you, Steve, in, in the concept of, of genres, because I think that's a good way to look at how Marvel does things. It's not just the superheroes, right? It's not just, you know, Captain America, Thor, Spider-Man. That's kind of the superhero genre. Right. There, there's kind of the the mutant <laughs> genre. There's a a cosmic genre, which we've seen with Guardians a little bit, and we'll start to see more of as they introduce some other characters. And Doctor so, Strange. And uh, yeah, there's a like a mysticism. Doctor Strange. He crosses over a lot into the monster genre because yeah. that's that's a lot of what you do with the mystic arts. Hmm. I just so was disemboweled by a cat, guys. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I saw. It. I, I'm just saying, I, I, Steve, I try to explain it to you this way yeah. rather than focusing on. It's going to introduce these cool characters because you you don't know you're you're you you have no idea who Ghost Rider is really. You don't know why he's cool, right? Yeah, not just right. Cage but be a yeah, guy. but it, so I, that's why I'm trying to do it this way. That's helpful. Scott's explaining it from the geek standpoint. I'm trying to explain it from the non-geek standpoint. Gotcha. Okay. No, plus, that's helpful. It, yeah, thank you. Characters like Morbius, who we've already seen just pop Fuck up. Morbius. I know, I know, but it's he's also involved in all of this stuff. So yeah. All right. The but, other the other big trailer we need to talk about tonight, guys, is the Ant Man trailer. Yes. Ant Man yeah. and the Wasp. Quantum Mania. Some yeah. serious, serious repercussions for mm -hmm. 
the Marvel Universe. Guys, what did you think about this trailer? What 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 hit home for you on this one? Elton John. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great that was a great use of song though for the for the trailer though, right? That's a great choice of song for that. It, it was the werewolf by night because there's a there's a yellow brick road dorothy and in, in oz mm. reference there so okay but, so i am I'm, I'm a little confused um by something that happened in the text thread and that was dave's reference to modok in the trailer where did i miss the reference to modok in the trailer modok from the internet i haven't been smart enough to figure this out but the internet claims that you can see modok if you do a freeze frame at the right moment of the trailer you can see modok flying around okay i have and not freeze framed it anywhere apparently scott has he's raising his hand um but I, I have not seen it. So, but I also have not taken the time to freeze frame through the fucking Ant Man trailer. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, you know what? You can time all you want. Here's the catch: when they showed the other version of this at I think Comic Con, it was a yeah. long trailer, and there was people talked about Modok actually making a full appearance in the trailer, and they held it back to have something of a kind of a mystery building mm. was it really shown was it you know was it something that's going to be coming did they want to hold it back for this because we didn't want to have the, the general audience no i he's in it but it's just going to be and it, and apparently the rumor is it's the what who was the villain in ant-man one the uh, yellow jacket. oh yellow, yellow jacket, jacket. The guy yeah. who's the corporate, the, the, the Obadiah Stane of Ant-Man 1. <laughs> yes. But they're saying that the rumor is that he was disfigured and morphed into this character in... Oh, that'd be cool. In, uh, in, in When he was pulled into the quantum realm, basically. Hmm. So the comic book version... And Steve, I'm going to look at you at this one because we're going we're gonna to cross some worlds here. The comic book version... Is is he the the creator of, or was he created in the advanced idea mechanics lab? I think it's the lab because latter. he is part of. So he was he so <laughs> he was created by the lab. I believe he was created by AIM as opposed to he created AIM. Okay. If that's what you're asking. So, so okay, so he's created by, but so he he leads AIM. And Steve, we've seen this advanced idea mechanics people, or AIM as they're known, in the third Iron Man movie, yes. where Guy Guy Pierce, who was the the what was he the um, lame uh, bad guy, uh, the Mandarin, yeah. the lame the bad the, the the lame Mandarin, the fake he, Mandarin, he was the leader of advanced the fake Mandarin. He was the leader of advanced idea mechanics that was a rival to the Stark Industries. So, okay. but in the comic books, Modok is the leader of AIM, and he is literally a flying face with arms and legs—a face with mechanical. arms and legs that flies around. With yeah, with a, a giant face in his chest. <laughs> Excuse me. With mechanical arms and legs flying around, and Nico and I, is fascinated by this character. Yeah, I'm if I seeing remember. I'm seeing images. I don't see, and I'm looking for a screen grab, but I don't. I, 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 I have, and, and his name is Modok, but Modok is actually an acronym. So I'm going to get the the and the m stands for multiple things it's 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 always kind of different but baby is basically it's the mechanized organism designed only for killing is what modok stands for yeah. 
That's a little bit like Fubar, you know. I love the fact that you guys all get it. If I were to look at you and say, Fubar, big time. <laughs> <laughs> you all know that reference and see that scene exactly stop, in your head. Absolutely. Stop barking. Stop barking. No. <laughs> we're talking about Modoc. Stop it. <laughs> all right. We so, got yes, one, one. I, I have not freeze framed to verify that. Mm. Yeah. But I, I put that in there specifically because I believe Nico is fascinated by the character and I wanted to call his attention to it. Yeah. Excellent. I, th- I think I think there's going to be a, a, a pretty big MODOK connection in this film. So Well, uh, K- Kang is ultimately all about Kang. And Kang is the one who's going to be the big bad leading into um, Secret Wars. So. Oh, yeah. Well, and certainly the Kang dynasty. So... Oh, that's true. There is a one, a whole movie named after him as well. So well, I, yeah, there's, I, there's I, that one. <laughs> I did mean what I said in the text thread. It is the best looking Star Wars movie of the last four years from that trailer. Well, that that one scene is. I swear to God, they copy and pasted the last scene in. Um, <laughs> yes, that is correct, Steve. That is spot <laughs> yeah. on. That's him, huh? The, the, yeah. Yeah, the, the one scene they exactly copied and pasted from um, Attack of the Clones with all the ships and the troops marching down. It's just as a Control-C, Control-V into this movie. It's, <laughs> it really was. There's no difference between those two scenes. I, I, I enjoyed the hell out of the trailer. Um, I, I do like the use of Elton John in it. I like that they're using this whole uh, Wizard of Oz whatever overtones or undertones or whatever but um i i don't know it's it's interesting my my biggest take on this is um what's his name jonathan majors that plays king mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yep yep that's correct that's correct i love how much he is different from what i know we called him kang in the uh loki series but he was actually the the one called he who must remain he who um, remains yes. or something he, like that he, he who remains yeah which was a deep deep pull that was a deep cut and and he and he mentioned that himself that he, there are you know there there are many variants of him and right. i don't i don't remember if he named dropped kang in the episode but he said there was somebody else who was worse yes so. and there is a moment in this trailer i did want to point out where he's talking to ant-man and i think there's a reference to him killing Avengers in other timelines. Mm. And so if he says that he's an Avenger, then he's killed a version of Ant-Man prior to this, which I think is interesting. I really think this movie is going to be bigger than what it's making itself out to be mm. right now, or people think it may be. I, I agree. It's a, it's the kickoff movie for phase five, if you will of the yeah. Marvel Cinematic Universe. Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special is the closeout for Phase 4, so it looks like they're going to close out strong. This is the launch for Phase 5. Yeah. Which is supposed to, which is, if Phase 4 has been about world building, and I hope to God that's what they intended, because Jesus Christ, was it a failure if it wasn't. <laughs> phase 5 is where things have to start happening so that you get to a, a Phase 6 where there's a, a payoff on the story, which is clearly implied from what the mo- some of the movies are that have been announced for that phase. So... Hopefully you're right, Scott. And there's there's more happening here than than kind of meets the eye. But I love that they're still kind of keeping that that Ant Man comic tone, even in the trailer. You know, thank you, Spider Man. 
the comment to that, Scott Lang. That was so that's, perfect. That's that's really clever. You know, yes, I, it was. It's it's very fun. I do like how they go back to the back the Baskin Robbins that he worked in at the at the very first movie way back when when he was when he got mm -hmm. out of jail he went to work at a Baskin Robbins before. Did you see um, on the uh, Hank Pym picked him up? The He's employee of the month. <laughs> oh no, is the employee of the century. Oh, wow. the century is what and it is. He has his original <laughs> tag, which is like Jack or something. They had him under a, his fake name. I was like, oh my god, that's too too classic. Um, really funny. Hey guys, some other let, too. Oh. they changed the actress. I think that plays the daughter. Yes. Who, who ends up becoming? Oh God, Dave. Correct me if I'm wrong. Stature. Stature in the young avengers so man they have literally set up the entire cast of the young avengers so i'm i'm excited to see where they're going because that character cassie says at the beginning that they created this basic satellite that communicates with i i know it's the plot point of the film but it also shows that she has other skills and has connections that they don't mention in the trailer she yes yeah, but I was going to say at some point, the whole like, hey, there's a super genius who builds cool shit in their basement. That's going to get really tired as a plot point for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, because <laughs> like, bro, there can't be this many super geniuses in the world. Otherwise, they're not really super geniuses. They're just above average geniuses because there's so many of them. <laughs> well, maybe the maybe the Kevin robot from She-Hulk can make a comment <laughs> on that. We'll find oh, out. Oh, We didn't even talk about that. <laughs> Well, I, I believe we agreed to give Greg 30 to 60 seconds, which he promises is all he needs. It's to like discuss his, his wedding discuss night. Discuss the She-Hulk fight. Yeah. All right. Okay. Are we doing this now? She-Hulk. Sure. So, um, uh, She-Hulk. I enjoyed the show until the last episode. Oh, I thought that breaks my it, heart. I thought it was very sitcom-y. Um, it was light. It was fun. Um I appreciate what they were going for. And it was extremely clever the way they pointed the finger back at themselves and says, yes, we know we make hokey shit. But what it does is it invalidates the rest of the show. The rest of the show was now pointless. There was no point to any of this show. And that disappoints me. It didn't have to be super important, but it didn't have to be pointless either. So it was a clever show. It's it stands on its own as its own thing very well. The finale I'm talking about, but it ruins the show for me. Wow! And I'm sorry. That wow. breaks my heart. Wow! I thought you would be excited because it was literally, literally the first Marvel project that was <laughs> not about putting a MacGuffin in the doohickey. Yeah. <laughs> it, it wasn't and... a MacGuffin in a doohickey. They 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 threw the MacGuffin out the window. Yeah. They're like, we don't need a MacGuffin. And everything we we built up on this show doesn't mean anything. We're just going to end it how we want to end it. But was it was it not true to the She-Hulk comic? A hundred percent. No, a million percent. She, she the, the comic book, she breaks the fourth wall. Oh, she no. talks to the creators in the comic. Yeah, she breaks the fourth wall in the comic. Oh, well, yeah, no. She does. I, Don't say no, no. I wasn't done yet. I'm trying to love Brigland. She talks to the creators of the comic book, but she does she does not she always had a storyline that went somewhere. Dude, she flat out called out John Byrne at one mm -hmm. point 
for calling him sexist for drawing, creating her the way she looks. So I, it's not just breaking the fourth wall. She would climb out of the panels like she does on that episode and mm -hmm. go to the next panel as a transition point to discuss things with the characters in the panel while looking at you going, can you believe this shit's happening? I just jumped out of a panel to come over here to skip over the boring shit so you guys can get over. A... It was so fantastic. I felt the opposite of what Greg just said. The whole no. show was like, eh, it's funny, it's whatever. And then the last episode brought in the whole concept of what She-Hulk was, which was Deadpool before Deadpool even fucking existed. So, so Nico, if you're out there in cyberspace somewhere, fuck you, Nico, because you're not here to defend yourself. God, so, Nico. Greg, let, let, let me let me ask you something and you can you can tell me if I'm wrong or 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 not. Yeah. Okay. So my reaction to the ending was that all of the little kind of She-Hulk-esque things that she had done in the previous episodes finally got validated for me and became kind of a believable, understandable part of the show because they did such a big fourth wall busting break in oh. the final episode. And I was like, oh, here is the foundation where suddenly – she-Hulk just constantly turning the camera for little asides every episode now suddenly has a foundation and it makes sense and it doesn't just seem like it's out of out of nowhere like they they literally all of it felt better for me as a result of that and Scott I know you're waving your hands but I wanted to present that for Greg for comment first and then we'll we'll see what you're waving your hands about well her asides to the show her, her asides to the audience previous in the show um does break just I, I don't know that what they did at the end validates what i was i was down with what she was doing i didn't need validation of her breaking the fourth wall earlier on because they'd done it from episode one they'd established it was going to happen the entire time and i i don't think i don't think there was anything wrong with doing that it was it had happened all the times in the comics as scott as scott had mentioned it was something that i was expecting and i was used to um i i but they had they had structured seven episodes of a story in there and and if they think it was a lame story because it was one that was recycled and used over there, then they should have written it fucking better is what they should have done. But that's fair. That's fair. I was on board. I was on board with that seven story arc. And then in episode eight, they just go, ah, fuck it. And then we're just going to, we're just going to do what we're going to, we're going to say everything that happened in the first seven episodes is, is not valid. It sucked. And we're just going to end it how we want to. And yay, She-Hulk can stand on her own. If she had they were building by, to that anyway. If she had walked by Patrick Duffy in his shower and he said, good morning, would you have felt better about it? <laughs> probably. Okay. Oh, probably. Oh, All right. Scott, you were uh, waving your hands there. I'm sorry to steamroll you, but I, I, want, I was trying to specifically do that with Greg first. So. No, that's fair. Uh, it's hard to now talk about both of, uh, of your points on this, but I'm going to just say, yes, I think it was a fantastic ending. I love the fact that she... You have to use the modern day technology. So she busts out of the actual Disney Plus app right on your screen, making you feel like you're a part of that moment. And then goes to the, again, a wonderful writing on this part, the assembled tab and jumps into the Marvel assembled thing, goes in and basically calls out what you just said, Greg, goes to the writers, which is fantastic, by the way. They don't just 
they don't bullshit this around. They make her appear on the lot. By the way, if you haven't noticed this, as this is happening, her CGI is getting better as this is happening because she's in real life, which I think is fantastic on the creators of the show as she's walking across the Disney lot in Burbank and goes to the actual writers, everybody in that scene, and calls them out for being fucking idiots for writing this not so great show which that was my argument it was fun and light but not really that great and she's like you're gonna just make it like every other one of your stupid fucking movies and then lets it play out in the way that it did i i think it was so great i think it was just done the way she hulk should have been it's sad that it took what seven eight episodes to get to that point yeah, we got to see Daredevil in possibly his born again outfit and all that stuff. But I, I love it was so tongue in cheek, so little moments here and there that each one of the episodes, I gave it a pass, gave it a pass. It was fun. It was light. It was light. And then you get to this last moment. And I'm like that she hole. That is what eventually we'll see with Deadpool. And now we're going to see that with Deadpool in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So he just gave us that solid moment of who that character is and was i even love the joking that you know kevin the robot kevin feige is telling her she you know you need to chill out because you're going to be in a movie soon and she's like really no not really <laughs> you're fucked for screwing with the system i just love that it's I, so I, different I, all the I, I i i could not disagree more and i'll and i'll <laughs> and i'll contrast it i'll contrast it right now with with Deadpool, since you brought up Deadpool, okay. Deadpool one and two. He breaks the fourth wall through the in, entire fucking movie. He points out tropes. He points out you know things that Marvel repeats over and over and over again. He completes his story from A to Z in both movies. He has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And all of this, all of the pointing, all the self-deprecating humor that goes on in there does not take away from his story. The She-Hulk one invalidates the rest of the series. How? Makes it makes it meaningless. It doesn't matter what the plot of the point. It doesn't matter that they that she falls for this guy who tricks her, steals her blood, and gives it to the guy, which is a stupid storyline. I grant you that. But they disregard it completely by the end of the series. I, I think that's the point of it. And that's why I thought it was so fun. I get your point, Greg, but I... Why did I have to watch eight episodes of that when I could have just watched the very end of it? So it's funny you should say that because that's what Steve did. Steve watched the first episode <laughs> of the show and he watched the last episode True. of the show. He didn't watch any of the intervening episodes. And I told him that may actually be the smart way to watch this. I thought yeah, it was great. It really was. It was yeah. really fun. Yeah. And I just want to say, yeah. um, I smashed fourth walls and bad endings and sometimes Matt Murdock. Come on, man. That was good. Come on, man. That was, it's a good one. Like I say, the, 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 the meta commentary that episode eight made, was genius. Absolutely points out everything that's wrong with with the Marvel Cinematic Universe the past two years. Absolutely, 100%. It was a terrible way to end their series. But, but in a way that finally people that don't, right. couldn't take their kids to go see Deadpool with an R rating, 
and same effect with the <laughs> She-Hulk show. And now, and now Scott is feeling the other end of the conversation that Greg and I have with him about The Last Jedi. Done! <laughs> <laughs> oh no, we have one more story. One more story. You better one get more. to it because you got two and a half minutes. Oh man, I'm so sad because this is like, this, this is really like earth shattering news oh. and it has to do with the dc universe oh, how how we did not get to the dc universe talk but when when scott has talked about he wishes feloni and fabro would take over lucasfilm i really believe this is akin to that and it's it's Guy number one, who I don't know, I don't remember what his name was, but he produced like the Annabelle, the Conjuring movies. Uh, so he's got a track round in producing. But guy number two is James fucking Gunn is taking over the entire DC universe, and he's going to be the Kevin Feige, basically, of the DC universe, heading all of the story directs. Could wow. not be a better decision. The guy has done nothing but make home runs for Marvel and for DC with Peacemaker and the Suicide Squad sequel that they made genius but i'm actually looking forward to dc movies from here on out even though i have not gone to go see black adam yet i fully full disclosure i have not gone to see black so adam he yet. literally is going to be the the head honcho he's going to be pulling all the decisions co, he's going to the co-head honcho all of that stuff okay go ahead yeah, that other him guy and the other producer guy the other the other guy whose name we can't remember and i feel like he is an established successful person in his own right so i feel bad about it but i can't remember his name they're co-heads of it and it feels like the other guy is going to be the actual nuts and bolts business producing guy, and James Gunn is going to be the creative guy. Peter Safran. Let's give him yes, credit right where credit is due. Peter Safran. Safran. Yes. I feel like it's a good, strong partnership. They both bring things to the table that the other one does not. Kevin Feige on Twitter. I'll be the first in line to see anything he does. Yeah. 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 Wow. So before he got the Marvel gigs, he made a movie called Super with um, Rain Wilson and Elliot Page, which is a a it's a superhero movie, but it's like if normal people got superpowers. It's really good. I it, highly recommend it. Um, again, James Gunn is a genius. That assumes right. Rain Wilson is a normal person. I don't think that's a fair assumption. <laughs> I'm agreeing with Greg right now. Damn it, I guys! This it. was a lot of fun. We've got more Andor coming up. We're not even done with ep with season one yet. Have a great couple of weeks, and may the Force be with us all. Don't forget to vote. The world depends on it.